From Utah Public Radio, this is Undisciplined. I'm Matthew LeBlanc. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints officially banned polygamous marriages in the 1890s, but in part because the practice was so central to early Mormonism and also because members continued practicing polygamy in secret sometimes, or sometimes even launching splinter churches in which the practice was sustained, the Latter-day Saint Church has long been associated with men who take on multiple wives. Sometimes these associations are made in jest, and often in not such good-natured jest. When I first moved to Salt Lake City in the early 2000s, for instance, and I was marveling at the exceptionally wide streets. More than one person told me that the reason the streets were so wide was because Brigham Young wanted to be able to march arm in arm with all of his wives. So that wasn't true. But it was true that Young, who was the second prophet of the Latter-day Saints Church, did have upwards of 50 wives. And that, in fact, is well documented by the church. What was much less understood for many years was the extent to which the first prophet of the LDS Church practiced polygamy. It wasn't until the 1990s that most church members would learn that the religion's founder, Joseph Smith, had taken dozens of women as his plural wives. The scholar Todd Compton worked for years to fully document Smith's wives and their lives, and in 1997, he published a book called In Sacred Loneliness. The Plural Wives of Joseph Smith, which offered a look at the lives of 33 women that Compton had concluded were among Smith's wives. While that book and other scholarship that was happening at the time surprised many people, it should be noted that Compton's work isn't really all that controversial, and it's certainly not a point of dispute that Smith was a polygamist. In 2014, the church itself released an essay on its website acknowledging for the first time that Smith had as many as 40 wives, the youngest of whom was 14 years old. Compton is a member of the Latter-day Saints Church, for which he served a mission in Ireland when he was a young man. He also studied for a master's degree at the church-owned school, Brigham Young University, before going on to teach at UCLA and California State University, Northridge. He's now an independent researcher and he's recently followed up his first book with a companion text called In Sacred Loneliness, The Documents, which describes the materials and processes he used to track down and tell the stories of many of Smith's wives. Todd Compton, welcome. Good to be here. Todd, you wrote in a book called Writing Mormon History, a chapter about how how you ended up focusing so much of your research on Joseph Smith's wives. And I think a lot of people might assume that you had a bone to pick or you were trying to expose something about the church. But as you tell it, this all started for you with the life of the poet Eliza Snow. What drew you to Eliza Snow? Well, um, and again, you can read the fuller story in that essay in Writing Mormon History. But uh, I had a friend who knew that Eliza R. Snow had diaries that were at the Huntington Library, which is close to Pasadena in um, California. And she knew I, I was interested in women's history. And I should say my background was in classics. I was getting my graduate degree in classics at UCLA. 
and I was interested in myth and um, part of classics is, is history, but I, I had no focus on Mormon history and um, as far as research goes, though, you know, as a, as a Mormon who's, um, you know, I always read dialogue and so on. You, you're, you get very interested in, in aspects of Mormon history, but I didn't have a, a research background in it. Anyway, so my friend suggested to me that I apply to the Huntington Library to um, work on the diaries of Eliza R. Snow. And I thought it was a crazy idea, but my friend gave me all of the, you know, she gave me everything I would need to do to apply. And she even suggested some of the things I should write in my application. So I said, well, this won't take too much time and I won't get it. But uh, I finished the application and sent it off. And then a few months later, to my great surprise, um, I got this fellowship to work at the Huntington Library in the diaries of Eliza R. Snow. And and this Eliza Snow's, I mean, you actually got Eliza Snow's diaries. I mean, these weren't just like copies of it. You had like her actual handwritten text, right? Right. And in classics, you, you do try to go back and get the, the oldest possible text of a document. But even with the oldest texts, they're copies of copies of copies. And so the first day I went to the Huntington Library, I requested this um, diary of Eliza R. Snow, which was her Overland diary that she kept when she was crossing the plains. And they gave it to me and I held it in my hands very carefully and put it on a certain stand they give for you. And it was very exciting to have an actual text written by the, the, the author. And so that, that was kind of a, that was the kind of a thrilling moment at the beginning of my research. And I thought this little book is what Eliza wrote in when she was at the campfire at night, just before she goes to bed, probably. And um, so that, that is the weird way I kind of changed from studying ancient myth to working on um, women's history in, in Mormonism. Well, yeah, I'd like to hear more about this. Let me let me ask you this, though, because I want to just kind of put this into context. Eliza Snow had openly been a wife of Brigham Young. At, at that time, did you did you recognize that she had more secretly been first married to Joseph Smith? Was that already known at the time that you started digging into these journals? Yes, I knew that she had been a wife of Joseph Smith and um, was at the time she wrote the journals, was the wife of Brigham Young. So, you know, I used her as a, you know, as a place to start. And I checked her list. And But I looked for other places to go to get a really good, solid, reliable list of Joseph Smith's wives. And so that's how I ended up creating that list myself. Because you started going down these little bits of history, these little footnotes are like 
they're each individual rabbit holes, right? And you start going down these individual rabbit holes. Exactly. And so it's really good to find the birth certificate or some equivalent of a birth certificate. And so I found out it was really, if possible, it was great to get something the woman had written, like her autobiography or a diary or something her relative might have written. And so I began looking for some of the writings of these women at the Huntington Library. Yeah, so you have this great repertoire of of information that you can go to. And here you are, this person with a background of cla- in classics, but also a member of this church. And it just becomes endlessly fascinating as you're unpeeling these layers, right? Exactly. Uh, there's this aspect of research, historical research, where you're like a detective. And so I began reading so, for example, the um, diaries of Eliza Partridge Smith Lyman. She had this wonderful diary. It was a really intense emotional experience reading this wonderful diary and feeling like I knew this woman. And um, so she came alive in that way. Well, this woman, Emily Partridge, you, you've you written, she had... A, a very conflicted set of feelings about her marriage to Smith. Yes. And so Eliza Partridge Smith Lyman was the sister of Emily Partridge, but um, Emily Partridge ended up marrying. Oh, see, I'm sorry. I got them confused there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, that's easy. That's easy to do, but it's good to know that there are these two teenage sisters in Nauvoo who lived in Joseph Smith's house and, married him secretly, and then um, Emma Smith. Who's Joseph's first agreed, wife. Joseph's first wife agreed that he she would allow him to marry um, some other wives if she could pick them, and Joseph Smith, said, Joseph Smith said, okay, and so she picked Emily and Eliza, who had already been married to Joseph Smith. So there were these teenage girls in Nauvoo, and came to Utah and had these, and they both wrote really fascinating diaries and memoirs. And, but it was this, it was Eliza who first, who was the first diary I read that was really emotionally involving for me. And so that got me interested in more than Nauvoo because she had a lot of experiences in Utah. And it also got me interested in what Nauvoo was like, um, what polygamy was like in Utah, where it was lived openly, whereas in Nauvoo, it was all very secret. Which is, I, I gather, one of the reasons why Joseph Smith's polygamy had not been so well documented is because at the time that he practiced it, it was done much more hush than it was once Brigham Young took the believers out to Utah following his death. Yeah, it was it was very secret, and Joseph Smith demanded absolute secrecy of the people he told about polygamy or the women he married, and he w- he realized he could be under legal um, peril if people learned that he was practicing polygamy, and he had been living in legal peril throughout his life. So that's one of the things he was really concerned about. But despite that, he went ahead and married at least 
33 wives. I, I found 33 wives who I felt could be really well documented. Right. Yeah, and the church later cobbled together the work of a bunch of historians and said it was, you know, they could put their fingers on 40. But there's there's still some question as to what sorts of marriages these were, even whether they were consummated. As a historian, what does the evidence suggest about that? Some people look at that issue from the viewpoint of, do you have absolute proof? that there were sexual relations in this marriage. I kind of look at it from the viewpoint of if it's a marriage, you expect it's normal that there will be sexual relations. And so I ask those other people who are denying consummation, do you have, you know, really good proof that there were, there was no consummation? As, you know, aside from all that, women later came to Utah and they said explicitly, "We yes, we had sexual relations with Joseph Smith." So, um, I some people have this idea that some of these marriages or all of these marriages were for eternity only, and the RLDS Church believed that. Uh, that's the church that's now known as the Community of Christ, right? Exactly, right. And, but I, I don't find any good evidence that there were eternity only marriages in Nauvoo or even in Utah. So um, I kind of reject that idea. So I think the normal thing was that there were, there were sexual relations. As the church has sort of come around to acknowledging some of these aspects, um, and as you discovered some of these aspects of Joseph Smith's life in your own research, um, one of the things that I, I found really interesting uh, about your book is that you found not just a description of how plural marriage was practiced in the early days of the church. You also found a lot of information about the life and the times that these women were living in that they really had very little and sometimes nothing to do at all with the men they were married to. Um, you wrote about Louisa Beeman, who was one of Smith's plural wives and who uh, later became a plural wife to Brigham Young, who wrote about what it was like to live in what was then called Great Salt Lake City in the late 1840s with children dying of whooping cough and stores of foods and goods running low. It's it's really a fascinating look into the pioneer heritage of this region of our country. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that um, my book has continued to have a readership is um, these, the life stories of these women are so fascinating and so involving. And just to give a little background, I ended up writing chapter-length biographies of each of these women. And, but they, I took them from their birth, from when they were kids, Nauvoo, and then going to Utah and living in Utah, what life was like in a large polygamous family. We find that in the Emily Partridge Young Diaries. And... So these are wonderful life histories. They're totally fascinating and which, emotionally which got, involving too. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. I it just it occurs to me that 
a lot of those history, those life histories, get sweeped away with just blanket statements like 40 wives or he practiced polygamy. You were, did it feel like you were rescuing these women from history in a, in a sense? Well, I didn't think of it like that, but I was just more totally involved in, in one, the detective element of research, and two, the emotional involvement with these women, with the things they, they wrote. And by the way, in the new book that has just come out, In Sacred Loneliness, The Documents, I collected um, everything I could find that these women actually wrote. Though some women, they wrote long diaries, so I could only um, select parts of those diaries. But so this new book is a wonderful book to, to really hear the voice of these women as, as they wrote diaries and memoirs and all kinds of genres. One of the other troves of information has been uh, records that were created originally by the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. You, you mentioned earlier the RLDS, which is now known as the Community of Christ. At, at one point, they sent out representatives to Utah to talk to some of these women. And there are transcripts of these interviews in your new book, um, including one between an interviewer named John Wright and Zena Huntington Jacob Smith Young. And, man, you just really get a sense of this woman's personality. Like To start the interview... This interviewer, John Wright, he says, you claim to have been married to Joseph Smith. And Zena shoots back, no, I do not claim any such thing. He married me. And I just, I laughed out loud when I read that. And and really the rest of the transcript from that interview, too, because that woman was just such a pistol. <laughs> and she was one of these Polly Andrus wives. But that interview, it was difficult for her, you can tell, because he really wanted to he really wanted to nail her down on what was going on with her being married to two men at the same time. And she was kind of like, this was a sacred thing. This was a sacred and a secret thing. And so she wouldn't tell him all of the details. Uh, at the same time, she was very definite that she had married Joseph Smith. Um, I also went to the community of Christ archives in which is right in their temple in Independence, Missouri. And I remember I called them and told them what I was working on. And the, um, the chief archivist, Ron Romig, said, oh, you won't find anything about that here, hmm. you know, but you're welcome to come. <laughs> so I went there and... Was he right? Or did it turn out there was stuff in there that you could use? Well, uh, one of the women I wrote about um, and this, this, her married names, really, sometimes I forget them. What, what is it? Elizabeth Davis is her maiden name. Um, Brackenbury, Goldsmith, Durfee, Smith. I, I knew that I might find stuff about her in the RLDS archives, and I did. And Ron Romig was very, very helpful. And... Ron, of course, is an authority on independence, the history of independence, and a number of, a couple of my other, the other wives that I wrote about, such as Emily Partridge and Mary Elizabeth Rollins-Leitner, 
they had lived in early independence. So he was really good at giving me background on them when they were kids and living in independence. So it was a great experience. And they, they were very, very helpful. How, how has all of this experience for going back, you know, 25 years of doing this research impacted the way that you think about your own faith and your relationship to the church? As, as I said before, I, I'm quite liberal. And I was liberal I, I, to a certain extent before... I, I even started research. And so I had a very strong sense that church leaders were human beings and make mistakes. Now, some of the details of Joseph Smith's marriages, these polyandrous wives and marrying teenagers, some of the details are troubling. And, um, and uh, Brian Hales has written a three-volume book on Joseph Smith's plural wives. And though he's, he's, a little, he's a bit more conservative than me, but uh, I just heard him give a talk and he said, if I could go back to Nauvoo and whisper in Joseph Smith's ear certain things he shouldn't do, you know, I have four or five things that I would recommend that he not have done. <laughs> and one was marrying young teenage girls and the other is... Um, marrying women who were already married. And another was um, he should have told, been very honest with Emma about it from the beginning. I would add that he, as I mentioned, he required all his wives to be very, very secret in talking about their plural wives to him and but i would advise him not to make i would advise him to tell the the young women the teenage girls he married to talk with their families and at times he didn't even allow them to tell their mothers or fathers or sisters um, so so anyway, there are certain troubling details in the way Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. A lot, I was going to say a lot of these women have surviving relatives, many of them, um, for whom these stories were not known. Do you often hear from family members? who? Sometimes I do, yeah. yes. What, what's that like? Yes. It's, it's great. You know, um, I have a someone who is a descendant of Emily Partridge, and he's just a big fan of the whole book, but obviously of his great-great-grandmother too. And so uh, he, tells, he tells me he never would have known these stories if, they hadn't, if he hadn't read them in my books. Um, another one who's really interesting is who we mentioned earlier. She had the interview with the RLDS apostle, and her name is Zina Diantha Huntington Jacobs. Jacobs was her first husband. Smith, she married Joseph Smith. Then after Joseph Smith died, she she was still continuing living with Henry Jacobs, and but then she married Brigham Young and finally left Henry Jacobs. And But she's a marvelous writer, 
and just a delightful woman. She had this great sense of humor. And um, she ended up as the third General Relief Society president of the church. So again, here's a very, very important in, woman in Mormon history. And she's one of these polyandrous wives, which is, shows it's another reason you, you can't ignore this. You've got to deal with this issue. But she's a wonderful woman. And she left just, just her letters to her children and her grandchildren are wonderful letters. And if you read the diaries, the actual diaries, you find out she just continued being married to Henry Jacobs. And it seems like a happy marriage in her diary. And uh, on through the time when she again married Brigham Young, she continued to live with Henry Jacobs and had two children with Henry Jacobs. Uh, and it's just wonderful to be able to read the things she's written. That's Todd Compton. His recent book is In Sacred Loneliness, The Documents, which describes the materials and processes he used to track down and tell the stories of many of the wives of Joseph Smith, the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Todd Compton, thank you so much. Okay, thanks for having me. Undisciplined is a production of Utah Public Radio, and if you happen to live in Utah, you can listen to us every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. on UPR. If you miss us, then you can listen to every episode of Undisciplined wherever you get your podcasts. Our program is supported by a generous grant from the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University. Our producer is Claire Scott. Our theme music is Little Idea by Benjamin Tissot. And I'm Matthew LaPlante. Thanks for listening. Now go have big ideas. Big ideas.